Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers Who Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Helaman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers Who Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at life-changing services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group held every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. Mountain Time. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to MothersWhoKnow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first, then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Good morning and welcome to Breakfast with Karen. Oh, I'm so happy you're here and so appreciative that you would take your time to be here. I know there are so many things that you could be doing and for you to intentionally get here, I just wanna honor you for being here and for taking your time and express my love and appreciation to you for doing so. Oh, I am so excited to introduce our guest today, Bonnet, and that I have the privilege to do so makes me feel so happy and thankful. I like Bonnet a lot. She is my friend and she's been a great influence in my life. Oh, I have have some history with Bonnet. It's not intense, but it's just some history that I love that I'm so grateful for. And the things that it's taught me, but I'm not going to go into all those details because I want her to have time for a presentation. One of the things I will say is that Vana is the director, founder of Reach 10, and she'll tell you more about what that organization is, but I serve on her board for that organization. Before our webinar today, Vana and I met and we talked about what she was going over and I am just thrilled about her message but I love and I have a testimony that this is true what she's presenting on today and have experienced so many miracles in my life because um, I've shifted my perspective on this. <clears throat> Vana you can find her at Peace and Power Coaching also at Reach 10. 
This is her great family. She has a powerful, dynamic family with some great people in it. I haven't had the opportunity to meet her children or their spouses, but I talked to her about them. But I have had the opportunity to be in her home and meet her husband and to watch him be a support to her as we, she and I are at similar events together. It's just been fun to get to know her. She's a gracious and kind host. So, Vanna, good morning. Good morning, Karen. <laughs> and I just want to confirm, like, Karen has been a good friend of mine for so long and brought so much light into my life. I'm just happy to be here. And all of you who work with her regularly are so lucky, really. So happy to be part of this this time. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. And we talked a lot about having a discussion, Bonnie and I, but when she, when I got a good look at her notes, I said, there you are saying some of the most useful things from women, from others. And it's something we all need to ha have a, a better awareness of because it's so personal mm -hmm. and it can be an absolute game changer in our lives. So I said, please, I'm just going to interject as you go if I have any comments or questions, but I've just really want her to get through what she has for you. Okay, so Vanna, I'm going to turn it over to you. Great. <laughs> so um, I thought I would start with a little about me. So I have four children and a wonderful husband. All of our children are grown up now, and they all live out of state, so I don't get to have Sunday dinners together with them, which is a great sadness to me. <laughs> and um, I am, as Karen mentioned, Reach 10. Reach 10 is an organization, it's a nonprofit that helps young adults talk more openly about pornography because like learning about that connection and being able to talk about a really tough issue is the first step to healing and helping each other. And uh, we just started a podcast, like literally just a few days launched this specifically for young adults to talk about um, how to heal the impact of pornography on relationships as well as healthy sexuality, which is they really wanted to bring in that positive side of what's the vision of what are we, why, why is pornography harmful and what are we working for? And so we have two um, young adult hosts on that podcast and they're great. And I'm so excited to have that resource out there for young adults. I'm so excited about that too. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that girl, Kershell is her name. Yes. She graduated the same year and went to the same school as my Parker. So it's just so fun that I know that girl. All these connections. <laughs> so why did I choose to talk about the greatest gift you can give your children is your own peace and happiness. And I hope that what you'll take away today is that you are totally worth the time, the effort, and whatever it takes for you to learn to manage your emotional life. Because emotions are the purpose of existence. And this is something that just I just realized lately. Like the whole purpose of even existing and having this earth life is to feel certain emotions. And that's pretty clear in the scriptures, like the Book of Mormon tells us men are that they might have joy. And we see in our example of 
the one perfect man, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life, a sinless life, and he felt a full range of emotions. And um, so if that is the truth, and I believe it is, then it's really important that we learn how to manage our emotions, how to appreciate them, how to use them, and how to teach that to our children as one of the most important life skills that they can gain. And I wanna be really clear about what I mean between healthy emotional management and unhealthy emotional distress. Because when I say peaceful, we wanna feel peace with the fact that life is challenging and that we feel a range of emotions, some of them are more difficult than others. It's never about putting on a happy face and stuffing your emotions down or trying to manage other people's emotions by always looking or acting like you feel happy. Mm-hmm. But instead, yeah, Karen, go I ahead. I just wanted to say, I was just talking to a friend yesterday about that put on a happy face. And I was, she was trying to express to me how you know, some things were challenging and we got in a conversation and I said, she said, why do you think it's so hard for us to, to not be okay? And I said, I think it's because we were raised maybe in a culture that made us feel like we were being naughty. If we had bad thoughts or negative emotions, that yeah. must mean that I'm, I'm being a naughty person. So we've resisted feeling or admitting or managing mm-hmm. any of that stuff. And you and I were talking just recently about just the polarization of opposition, how it's growing. And that light is the polar opposite of that. There's this great dynamic going on in our world. And anyway, I just thought that was so interesting when you mentioned that yesterday. Yeah, great. Because what do we tell kids? Don't cry. Don't be sad. Well, you know, we, we're telling them exactly you're, you're doing something wrong if you feel, feel sad or if you're crying. So learning to accept and allow any emotion is so appropriate and useful. And I like to think of emotional management as a gas stove. So if you can imagine a gas stove and the gas burners on a stove, there's a, a situation in your life that creates a strong emotion. It's like turning on a gas burner. And um, it might feel really hot at first, but you are aware that emotions have purposes just like gas burners have a purpose. And um, you can allow emotions to do their work that they're intended for. And you also know how to not get burned around a gas stove. You don't throw oil on it and create an explosion. And you manage it carefully and um, you feel compassion for yourself and you can at the right time you have the control to turn down the flame and just let things simmer on the back burner or you can even turn it off when you're done and comparing that to maybe a damaged gas stove that is just leaking toxic gas into the room and it's slowly poisoning you but you're not really aware of where it's coming from, it's serving no purpose, you don't know how to control it, it's totally in control of you, you feel terrible and weak, 
and it's affecting your ability to think and feel and act. And it's even poisoning the people around you. This is what can happen when we don't know how to manage our emotions, but we're just being um, kind of ambushed or taken over by toxic, toxic emotions seeping into our life. Now, I want to share that um, joy is, this sounds counterintuitive, I know, but the way I think of joy, joy is sensing the presence, the purpose, and peace of God. And because it's that, then I can actually feel that in any situation, even challenging ones. And in fact, sometimes even more in challenging situations when I sense that he's with me. There's a purpose for this, and I can feel his peace. So that goes back to where, where I say our own peace and happiness, like that can be joy. And it's not about always having a happy life, but sensing that joy in all of the conditions that we experience in our life. Yeah, Vana, if I could just interject right here. One of the things that helps me so much is when I say, what's really going on here? Mm-hmm. And I notice whenever I'm getting more miserable, it's because I've stopped thinking vertically, like you just mentioned, that peace and purpose and the presence of God. When I feel, when I remember he's here, he has a purpose in all this messiness, even Mm -hmm. though it's so hard or it's difficult, if I'll just keep my vertical thinking open instead of being so closed off and only thinking temporally yeah then the pain just grows and so anyway that those two things what's really going on here and that thought of when you get highly miserable there's a ceiling there something Mm -hmm. needs to open up and remember exactly i love the way you put joy is presence purpose and peace i thought yeah that's what that is when you do this perfect Exactly. Thank you, Karen. I'm going to remember that. I like that. So I want to share a little bit about my own journey to find more peace and happiness, the way I defined peace and happiness. And um, one of my daughters was in college, and I was having a conversation with her. And she said to me, or I actually said to her, all I really want is for you kids to be happy. And she said to me, that's all we want for you too, mom. And I was just so taken aback because <laughs> she was spot on. And I realized that my kids could sense that I wasn't totally happy or at peace, even though, and this is the irony, I'm actually a very naturally peaceful and calm person. Sometimes I'm more calm on the outside than on the inside. And that's, you know, the people close to you can sense that. When I was a mom raising kids, I often felt discontented, dissatisfied, resentful, frustrated, restless, all kinds of things. <laughs> and um, I, like our marriage was calm on the outside, but there was an underlying tension. We were always worried about money. One of my sons said to me lately, Mom, I've realized looking back that we weren't as poor as you tried to make us feel. (laughs) And it's like, oh yeah, okay. I guess we worry too much about money. Um, And to me, raising kids felt like trying to lead wild horses down a path 
They didn't want to do anything I asked them to do, and they're always bucking and kicking each other along the way. Just felt so hard every day. And so I didn't like feeling that way. And I tried many, many things over the years to increase my emotional management. And everything that I've done has helped me. It's like um, each thing has put another solid step on the rocky path that I was treading. For example, um, I've read lots of personal development books. I started practicing yoga. I love to gather favorite inspirational quotes and scriptures for, to inspire me. I um, committed to daily exercise and learning to he eat healthier. I attended a family support 12-step group for years and learned so much through that. And of course, always trying to be better at seeking the spirit, having Heavenly Father guide me and staying on the covenant path. And all of those things have really helped me get to a much better place in my emotional life. But I was still a little bit stuck, especially in this feeling of overwhelm. Like I'm a person who likes to do a lot of things and take on a lot of things. And then I get to a place where I feel like I've bit off more than I can chew. And um, was feeling overwhelmed and about a year ago. I had kind of a miraculous um, Teacher come into my life and uh, His name was Lamont Wilcox and as I worked with him I I learned more about how my own thoughts and the way I was thinking about things were creating these feelings how I could change the way I was thinking and feels so much more hope and power. Like it really had a huge effect on me. In fact, my husband noticed right away and commented on it and was like all on board, whatever is, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. <laughs> and so um, that was a real blessing. Anyway, that started me on a journey to learning more and wanting to become a life coach myself. So I've just recently started life coaching to help other women have that same blessing that I had in my life. So let's talk a little bit about why your own peace and happiness serves your child. I have three ways that we are going to talk about today. And first of all, we model how to manage emotions so that our children can have that incredible power in their life too. And we have, or we can offer our children um, greater relationships, stronger relationships with us and more influence over them. And we also show our kids that living the gospel of Jesus Christ really does bring true peace and happiness. So we're going to talk about each of those three different things in a little more detail. But overall, I just believe that we can show up as the parent we want to be and offer these things, these gifts to our children always remembering that they totally have their agency, whether they accept that gift or not. And our success does not depend on whether our child accepts these gifts. Our success depends on what is our desires are and what we're trying to do. And that is totally accepted by our Heavenly Father. That is how it's supposed to be. <laughs> Kids totally have their agency. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Oh, Karen, did you have a thought? Something, I just have to bring out something you said, um, and it was so powerful. It was just 
put it in such a, oh, like I really heard that way to me when you said that um, our children, they may take what we offer as we're managing ourselves better. They may take it Mm -hmm. or they may delay the offer or they may never take it up and, um, and that that's how it's supposed to be. Like literally that's, how it's supposed to be we just offer things and mm-hmm. boy as a mom don't you just feel like forcing things and not offering things yeah <laughs> that's exactly how god operates with us he offers us all these things and guess what i don't take him up on all of his offers yeah. so maybe i have a little more patience with my kids if it's going to take them a while so true come come around <laughs> So when it comes to modeling how to manage emotions, one thought that I like to keep in mind is I want to be the grown-up that I want my kids to grow up to be. And what I mean by that is that if I want my kids to grow up to be the kind of people who love themselves, feel their self-worth, take time to keep learning how to be happier and more peaceful, if I want them to be feel radiant and joyful, if I want them to have uh, the kind of relationship with their Heavenly Father that gives them power, if they can be resilient in challenges, then I deserve to be that kind of grown-up too. Because my Heavenly Father is my parent and he's looking down and he wants me to have that too. I am just as worthy and valuable. So when you ever think of something that you want for your kids, stop and think, Am I allowing myself to have that gift too? I am just as important. So I have to say, my kids did not get this gift of emotional management from my husband and I. So my husband and I are quite opposite. And I'm over on one side where I am not, wasn't naturally very good at allowing and expressing my emotions. And my husband on the other side was in his words demonstrative (laughs) and uh sometimes like expressing things without thinking about the impact and so our kids um have had to like kind of deal with both sides of it and both my husband and i have learned to come closer into that healthy middle where we can manage our emotions and allow them and express them but i just have let go of any regret of that. We did the best we knew at the time. We're learning better. And it's truly never too late to change as a parent. And you know what? It even gives your children this awesome um, learning experience, like maybe an object lesson, if they get to watch you grow and change. Because if you do it, they can see that it's possible for them. And what is more powerful than that? They they can change at any time in their life. I just have to say, when I saw this in your notes, Vana, I thought, that is phenomenal. What better message can we send? What's more powerful than that to say, I'm the example of change. Even if it happened after you left my house, um, to send them the message that change is possible for you whenever you decide to accept an offering of something that would help you get on that road. So good. Very powerful. Well, 
When it comes to emotional management, if you have children, then there are lots of times when it's your children who are triggering the emotions that you have to deal with. <laughs> and sometimes we get upset because we think our children are making us feel emotions that we don't want to feel. And what if we just decided it's actually okay to feel sad, disappointed, frustrated, afraid for our children sometimes. That's actually part of being a mom. And I'm all in on all of it. Like if that's what being a mom is, I'm gonna be grateful and I'll jump in and allow those feelings at times. And one of the things that has really helped me is to be compassionate when I do feel these. I literally put my hands over my heart and say, of course I would be sad to see my child make those choices and, and, and experience some pain. This is the part of life and this is the part of being a mom that sometimes I feel sad and just letting that emotion be there. We don't always have to resist or push off negative emotions because we're afraid to feel them, but recognize them. Again, being at peace with the fact that life is challenging and there's this range of emotion. Another thing that helps me is to remember that, and I've heard Karen say this before too, this is a really helpful thought that my child has a savior and it's not me. And their savior is offering everything that they need at any moment. I totally have come to believe that. He's offering everything they need and maybe it's not what I think they need. And my child also has complete agency take up what the Savior is offering or not. You, again, might delay it, might never come to that. That is the plan. That's, that's the way it's supposed to be. Nothing has gone wrong. And I remember that I don't always take advantage of those opportunities that I have either. And then I also have this thought that really helps me is to stop trying to fix myself and start working to be the kind of person that might inspire my children to fix themselves. Because if I can learn to do it, they can learn to do it too. I actually believe that Heavenly Father put in each of us a desire to come closer to Him. And I can see that in myself and I feel it and notice it. But I'm learning to trust that that same thing Heavenly Father planted in every one of my children, my husband, everybody around me, I don't have to put it there for them. It's already there. And Heavenly Father is going to use that to bring them closer to Him. I was going to say, um, I think it's such a game-changing thought and truth when you say that there's only one Savior and it's not you, but that He's offering everything they need at any moment. When I read that in your notes, it just made me start to weep because I thought that is so true to think of it like that. The Savior's offering everything we need or our child needs at any given moment. It's there and it's an offering, but we get so nervous about the fact that they're too messy to even notice he's offering anything and they're never going to notice it and take it. Right. You know? And so your thought about um, there really has to be this disconnect 
from what? What your job is to make sure they succeed and don't feel any pain. Do you know what I mean? Right. Uh, and, but to just that disconnect of, I can't fix that. I can't fix my child. I can't fix this mess. I, it's like bigger than me. Mm-hmm. But I, the only thing I can do is fix how I feel and how I behave in mm-hmm. this place. And your testimony of that belief that, you know, that presence and purpose and peace, like remember, that's where joy is. It's not that your mess is going to go away. Mm-mm. It's in the the mess but yes I love I just love that but it's so I just thought oh I love the way you worded that he's offering everything they need at any moment Mm -hmm. and he's completely aware of of that it's interesting um yeah so good Mm -hmm. okay I was going to share a little example but I thought nope I'm going to share it later (laughs) okay (laughs) And remember, he's offering me everything that I need at any moment, too. I'm just as important as my kids. And I think back to when we were um, in our pre-earth life, and we shouted for joy to come down here, and we signed up for all of it. At the time, did we think that we would get to submit a list of, these are the challenges that I want, I'm okay with, and also get to submit a list of, these are the challenges that, I do not want delivered to me and that we got to then come down to earth feeling safe because we got to choose what we were going to face. And, you know, that just didn't happen. And we come down here and get some very surprising challenges. I frequently think this is my life. Like how did, how did, this is not what I expected at all. And I totally expected challenges when I was young. I knew life would be challenging. I, Never imagined some of the things that we faced. And that is the plan <laughs> because we get to grow in these areas of our life that, that we would have left alone if God didn't reach in and pull us to that place he wanted us to be. So I, let's go on to the second um, point that we can offer stronger relationships and greater influence with our children. Now, Probably if you have more than one child, you have some kids or probably all, our, all of our kids at one point or another choose to learn things the hard way. And I remember sometimes I choose to learn things the hard way too. So little perspective there. <laughs> if I am telling my children and trying to tell them what to do to live a happier life, but they look at me and they don't see that I'm happy, why would they listen to me? Why would they trust me? Like my life is going to speak so loud that they can't hear my advice over it. This is why it's so important for me to keep learning, to be happier and more peaceful and feel that joy. And I've also learned that we don't have to wait until our child gets their life figured out to have many times when we feel peaceful and joyful. Um, I want to share a story about my son, and I do have permission from him to share these things. So um, this is our youngest son, Carver, and Carver's 26. And I'll just tell you a little bit about him. We love him so much. 
He has always been uh, someone with a really big heart and very loving. When he was a little kid, every day after dinner, he would come and sit on my lap. And when, I was about, when he was about 10 or 12, I had to say, Carver, let's pull up a chair and you can sit next to me because I couldn't see over his head anymore. Um, he's, got, he's now six foot seven, big kid with a big heart, really loving. Um, he's really creative. He loves working on cars. He actually owns three of them right now and has a great sense of humor and just, you know, has a lot to offer everybody around him and we love having him. Well, when Carver was in high school, he slowly started coming to church less and less and then just left the church completely and still currently has no interest in participating in the church. And also he started drinking in high school. And um, we, of course, were concerned as we saw this behavior. And for most of the next four years out of high school, he lived with us most of the time. And my husband and I would think, how can we, how can we help him? Like, what can we do? And we were on our knees a lot. And often just felt reassurance, like just, it's, it's good to have him in your home. He'll have, you'll be able to influence him more and you'll be able to build that relationship more. And at times we would decide, okay, it's time for uh, come together and talk about some things and realizing that this is really hard to talk about with your kids. It's a high stake situation, lots of emotions on both sides. Like we have our values and my son told me like it was hard for him to talk to us about drinking because we never had that experience. We couldn't have a good conversation about how to have uh, responsible drinking because our only solution was don't do it. <laughs> and other than that, we had nothing to offer. So um, that was, that made it challenging. But my husband and I, um, when we were going to have a conversation with Carver, we would, of course, um, consider how we wanted to run this meeting with prayer, um, would pray and get inspiration, but we also used a book called Crucial Conversations. And that book is put out by Vital Smarts. I think Joseph Grenny is one of the authors. And that book really helped us see some steps to have conversations where everybody feels heard and you can manage the emotional uh, temperature of the conversation. We learned to start and keep in mind with what we wanted out of the conversation. So we wanted to be able to share our values, to offer what we thought would lead to his happiness, and also to preserve the relationship that we had with our son. And we learned to start a conversation with the facts instead of emotions and to watch for safety. And if someone was, we sensed that someone was starting to not feel safe anymore, to pull back from what we're talking about and create more safety. And I just was so, um, even though this is a hard situation, like so grateful that we were able to have these talks together and all of us, like we never did. Uh, fall into a situation of arguing or yelling or blaming each other. Uh, I think everybody felt heard. When I talked to my son recently about that, he, looked, he says, 
we were able to not make it weird. That was his way of putting it. And that he, we've been able to keep close to him. And he, and, and this is, even though none of our conversations ever convinced Carver to dial down his drinking, he kept using his agency to live the way he wanted to. And then when he saw the problems that he was creating in his own life, then he had the desire to change. And I was really touched at this time, a little over a year ago, like he really, um, he really wanted to change. He was feeling a lot of anxiety and trying to figure it out. And he felt safe and comfortable calling me and we would talk for an hour or more almost every day for like six weeks. And the fact that I was able to, um, have that relationship with him and that he, he would turn to me when he was finally ready for that. Like that was such a gift. And I, and I don't want to share the story and make it sound like it was easy as pie because it was not. I definitely had many nights just laying in bed, just feeling the weight and worry of all of this. But these are the things I wanted to to bring up that I learned from this experience. And when, so during this time, and, and I, I'm just sharing the story with one story with one child. And of course, like all of us have had many experiences like this with all of our children. But um, God inspired me and spoke to me once and he said, you bring them to you, I'll bring them to me. And it just clarified for me how important it is and, and what my role is, is to love them and keep them close and build that relationship and trust Heavenly Father that He can offer that relationship and keep them close. And that's His job. And that our kids actually learn a lot about love and what love is and like even wanting love from Heavenly Father by, from us. And that's what we can offer our kids. Um, yeah, that's so powerful, Lana. That's another thing I got. Shut the front door. That is the best thing ever. Look at that, how she worded that. It's so beautiful. You bring them, you bring them to you. I'll bring them to me. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it means that we have to trust Heavenly Father, too. And let go of thinking we have all the control. Yeah. We are not the only ones working for our children. Yeah. Something that it, when, I, when I got the message loud and clear, um, Karen, I'm the savior. You're just the mom. I got, that's kind of, that's kind of the way it sounds when he talks to me. It's not as pretty as that. <laughs> it's like, Karen. I'm the savior. You're just the mom. And so it grounded me for several months thinking, well, I don't know how to be a different kind of mom without trying to fix things and help people and get in their business and, you know, be all over that and make sure I'm policing things and talking about things all the time. I, I just didn't know how to, well, how do I bring them unto, unto you? How do you like, I, mm -hmm. I, it was so hard. And finally I heard, I heard, your job as a mom is to support my work. And it was that um, it is my work and my glory to bring to pass 
the immortality and eternal life of man, or it's my work. It's what I love. It's what, it's what I, what glorifies me is to help you and your family be successful. And I got this. I'm the savior and you're supposed to just support my work. But what I recognized, and this is what I meant when I said at the beginning, I have a testimony of this, of mm -hmm. these things that you're teaching is the only way I could support God's work was to learn how to manage me better so that I could bring them to me so that I could say inspiring things or be inspired to not say anything. Mm -hmm. Yes. I've had that so many times. Oh, I'm glad you said that because one of the thoughts I had even just last night is that this goes back to what I said. Um, we get credit for our desires because I have like there can be a lot spinning around inside, like trying to figure out how to help your kids and a lot of confusion. And even if you don't know what to do, the fact that you care enough to be thinking about it, you get credit for. <laughs> and it, he, God is looking at your heart and what you desire. And sometimes we don't know what to do. Sometimes we do things that don't work. And again, Evidence that we're doing the right thing is not whether our kids accept it or not. Or not. It's just what we offer, what we become ourselves. So, yeah, Karen, thank you. <laughs> um, I, and another thing I learned, I'm learning, and I'm learning this because I'm telling you, this, this um, you know, Carver is still figuring things out, and he's still not interested in, being close to God right now. And I learned that I don't have to wait for a child to get things figured out for me to feel peaceful and happy most of the time. And it, when our feelings completely depend on someone else behaving a certain way, we're giving them all this power. We can have, there's two ways we can have love in our life. We can receive it, which we always think about. We want people to love us, but we are unlimited in giving it. We can constantly give love and that feels really good too. So I don't have to wait for some, my child to love me back to have love and experience that love for them. There's always good things about our kids. <laughs> and I, and that's something else I've learned is to look for all of the good things that still are true about each of my kids, even when they have challenges. And Carver, when he was just four years old, he was in his bedroom throwing an absolute tantrum, which he was really good at at the time. And I remember standing in the door, doorway and I just leaned my head against the doorway and thought, Heavenly Father, is he always going to be so difficult? <laughs> and the impression I got is he's always going to be very emotional and he's always going to have an incredible love and big heart. And those things are always going to be true about him. And so I've just learned to love, love that good side that I see all the time. And don't let the challenges or things that, like, he's not following my plan, don't let that get in the way 
of all the good things that there are still. I love Jody Moore's thought um, to remember, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. You just keep, keep going. And another thing that I've learned lately, um, I actually have, uh, this is something that you can each get. Um, it's just a PDF, which is a, it's a belief plan and it's a belief plan for seeing the best in kids who are learning the hard way for now. And these are just thoughts that I like to remind myself of that help me direct my thinking in a more powerful way to, about my kids, about myself in this situation as a mom and about life and its challenges. So that's something else that helps me a lot whenever I want to feel better about something is just writing down a belief plan. What do I need to believe to have what I want in this, in my life? Okay, we'll go to the um, third thing is that we then have the opportunity to show them that living the gospel of Jesus Christ really does lead to true peace and happiness. And this is something that again, came so clear to me when I was learning how to be peaceful with uh, how scared I was with Carver's behavior. And, you know, alcohol is something like it, it's not only like something that goes against our values in the church, but uh, my own biological father was an alcoholic and abandoned his family because of alcohol. So having one of my children maybe had done that path at all, really scary. But I um, learned that I can find peace by relying on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that if I want any of my children to also want to come closer to Jesus Christ and live the gospel, which is the good news. I mean, the, mean, the word gospel means good news, and I just love remembering that the gospel is the good news. There's a plan of salvation. The Savior has promised that he's going to make everything right in the end. Um, that why, why would my kids even be interested in the gospel if they look at me and I don't seem to be peaceful and happy because I'm living the gospel? Like my, my words just will have no power. It would just be hollow if they don't see the effect of that in my life. And of course it's a process. I'm still learning to do that all the time. So it's not something I feel like we have to have perfected, but we can keep working on in our own lives. And then our kids can have the opportunity to say, Hey, mom seems to find a lot of, like power or joy or like confidence in living the gospel. Maybe, maybe I want to find that too and try it out. I love Karen. Karen, I've heard you say so many times the stand by the tree mm -hmm. concept. Stay by the tree. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly yeah. what we need to do is just stand by the tree um, I've always thought of it as being the center of a wheel. So the wheel can be going around, everybody around me can go around and around in chaos or spinning or whatever. I'm the one in the middle working to be safe and calm and confident and peaceful and not let all the things spinning around me pull me off center. 
Yeah, I love, I love that stay by the tree um, and you being able to stay there and just your word of not being able to pull me off center. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's exactly what emotions really, if we don't know how to manage our thoughts and emotions, pull us off center. But it's been incredibly useful for me to consider um, that that stay by the tree analogy comes from that story in the Book of Mormon, Lehi, when he looks around and he's gotten Sam and Nephi and his wife there at the tree. They came willingly, but there he had two sons that weren't interested. Um, but his example was to, he stayed at the tree and beckoned from the tree. He didn't mm-hmm. leave the tree to go get them. But I can't, Im- I, I imagine the only way he could do that was to trust what was more powerful than him and that God was real. But, you know, he would have had to really be able to think that's what it is. It's, I can't, I have to manage me well to beckon mm-hmm. from somewhere over here instead of leave this to go get that because then I will lose my footing. Yeah. Yeah, that's been a really powerful thought for me ever since I learned that from you. I, and, and so we just never know what's going on in our kids or how the spirit and God are working on them. And we just have to trust that the right thing is happening. And, you know, I mentioned that Carver has no interest in attending our church. He has occasionally gone to um, an evangelical Christian church in his uh, city where he lives with a friend. And I thought it was so interesting because I thought he would love this church because you get to go to church in jeans. They serve donuts and coffee in the foyer. They um, have a band with, you know, guitar and drums and all that kind of stuff. And they put the words up on the screen. Everybody gets to sing together. And I asked him about it and he said, actually, I really miss the hymns um, that I grew up with in singing in sacrament meeting and that is what he he felt something he felt the spirit or peace or something from those hymns that he didn't feel in this other situation and I was just so touched that he could recognize the difference and there's something in there that still speaks to him and and I'm just gonna trust that that he's on a process some path and that it's going to be a powerful transformation at some point. I want to share what I've learned by working with um, the REACH 10 young adults. So um, for three years or so, I've had the opportunity and blessing of rubbing shoulders with mostly college-age kids, actually mostly BYU and UVU students. And they've all been uh, actually members of the church. And... I have learned from them one thing that they want so much from grown-ups is for us to just listen to them. <laughs> and if we could just stop telling them what to do and listen to them and even ask, what has this experience been like for you? What is it like for you to grow up when you're surrounded by all this sexual temptation or sexualized content? 
like what has it been like for you to grow up in a culture where there's so much silence on these issues and just listen to them they just really want that the other thing i've learned for them is that this um, particular challenge of pornography and i believe this of lots of other challenges kids face too that overcoming it can be this incredible tool for transformation. Like when we look at all the things that they learn as they take their journey and uh, along the way of what we call recovery, they learn to manage their thoughts. They have to be aware of them and learn to manage them and dismiss them. They learn self-awareness and self-control. They learn to be patient with their own growth because it takes time. They learn shame resilience. They learn to connect with other people and to be honest and vulnerable. They learn healthy stress management. They learn to talk about tough issues and to not let silence keep people from helping each other. They could learn um, to, and especially to rely on their savior and the power there. And then so much more. <laughs> like as they learn these things, think how incredible how incredibly strong, like stronger than ever. I actually don't love the word recovery because it gives the sense that we just go back to who we were before we had this challenge. I like to think of it as a transformation because they, come, they become newer, stronger people than they ever were before. And I, I know that um, like our adversary may look at the situation with the young people today and think that he has a whole generation trapped in destructive behaviors. And I truly believe that Heavenly Father has this all in hand and then he's gonna use these things that Satan thinks he are destroying our kids and use them to create the most powerful generation ever as they learn together to overcome this, to help each other to grow these emotional skills and these relationship skills, these spiritual skills that this challenge is offering them. So I just, I felt very hopeful. Like this is a difficult issue to be involved in and yet I have always felt hopeful about it, that there's a bigger plan and a bigger power in place that's got this all, all figured out. So I want to end maybe with just reminding you like you are worth the time and effort it takes to expand your emotional management skills and to live a more peaceful inner life. It's totally available. And I just hope you'll give yourself permission and motivation to like spend some time, whatever it takes for you to learn or to sit down quietly and like look at your thoughts and think about what you want to keep and what you want to change and how that's affecting how you're showing up as a mom and what you want out of your relationships, you know, taking the long view. Like I I'm not in the middle of raising teenagers. Like many of you are right now. I'm a little past that. And I just want to say that the time you take to build those relationships will be something you'll be so grateful for in the future. And so I just want to end with saying that if you can grow and build more love for yourself and more love for your children and more love for Jesus Christ, that's going to bring you more joy. That's just how it works. 
And um, I just like, that's, that's it. That's the, that's the good stuff right there. And I believe that moms just have so much power. And as you work on that yourself, you'll influence your family, whether it's directly, indirectly now or in the future. Like we have so much time. We have plenty of time. It often feels like we have to get this fixed right now, but we really have eternity. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's the message I wanted to share. Oh, so oh, beautiful. Thank you so much. Wow. Oh, now we had a question in, when you were talking earlier, you mentioned your belief plan. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so this belief plan, like I, I learned this idea and it's like the more thoughts, positive like thoughts in the way that I think um, and then repeating them regularly and reviewing them regularly can really help me think the way I want and thus feel the way I want to feel. And so what do I want to believe to get the result that I want in this case? Um, so some of, for example, here's some of the beliefs on this belief plan, just to give you an idea of how this works. It's like, my child sometimes learns the hard way and so do I. Like that takes me out of blaming and just like we're in this together. Like we're all learning in sometimes in the hard way by experience. <laughs> so it's just an acknowledgement of that's what's really true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, affirmations have never worked as much. Like I am beautiful. Like I didn't quite believe affirmations. That's, they felt a little pasted on. For me, beliefs are things that I would think shifted a little bit that helped me see things in a new way. Here's a few more examples. Um, my child is taking baby steps in the right direction. Every step they take is safer. That just helps me be patient, like think, valuing a little bit of progress at a time. That's okay. Another one is, um, I think I'll stop expecting my child to make me happy. That's my job. That's such a relief. Like no longer do I need someone else to make me happy. I have the power to do that. And how about this one? I waited so long for my turn on earth, and now here I am doing it. I'm doing it just right. So there's a whole list of things like that, but that gives you kind of a flavor of what, what I think of as beliefs, thoughts that serve me better. Because it's such an internal process that you're trying to implement and become more aware of, but you are so affected by external things. Mm -hmm. that's what causes our internal processes and mm -hmm. so when we say I have to figure out how to do this different how to do me different it becomes this uh, like this inspired journey that mm -hmm. has to have a lot of intention in it and so you having things you know written down that you can actually go to and you know discuss with yourself inside yourself like that's just so useful rather than think, I don't know how to feel better to yeah. have things like, so I love your belief plan. Super practical person. Like 
sometimes all of this thought work can feel kind of like ambiguous and floaty and like, how do I grab onto this? How do I actually put it in practice in my life? I need like practical tools and steps for me to put these things into practice. Yeah. So good. I had this thought that I needed to share something during the presentation and I forgot to do it. Sure. Which is just, um, so if you're familiar with Protect Young Minds, which um, is an organization you may have heard of the Good Pictures, Bad Pictures books. Well, on their website, Protect Young Minds Today, like literally just today, posted a blog post. It's by Taylor Chambers, who's a therapist, and the title of the blog post is How to Help the Kid Who Doesn't Want Help. And it is so good. Like, I just have to recommend this. Like, so much of what he talks about ties exactly into what I had been teaching, and I couldn't believe this came up today, because mm -hmm. he talks about the relationship, how important it is. He said in this blog post, um, let's see, sometimes pornography improves by moving attention away from pornography and onto the relationship. And I just got chills when I read that. And he also said, and this is, I'd never looked at it this way. He says, even if your children never choose to live by your standards of sexual discipline and respect, at least they won't be swamped by pornography and alone at the same time. One problem is better than two problems. I may not be able to solve the kids, the problems my kids choose to create in their life through their behavior, but I can solve the problem of the relationship. I can at least offer a good relationship to them. And then they don't have to be alone, which is a huge problem in and of itself and just creates more problems. So we can take care of that. Yeah. So Maybe before we can do the rest of it. I love that. Yeah, that's so good. One of the things that Maurice Harker, he teaches, he says that, to talk so much more about things other than the addiction, mm. you know, and so many of our generals who are older and, you know, coming back to help from the sense of healing program. Um, one of the things that they will say is that is please just talk about all the other cool things about me. Don't talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it needs to be talked about, but it's not all we talk about. You know, you remind me of a story I heard. A mom was talking to her son about uh, all the things he needed to do to get over his pornography problem. And he was not responding. He was just looking down the whole time. She just talked at him. <laughs> and finally she said, do you have any questions? <laughs> do you want to say anything? <laughs> And he finally, it, it apparently was really quiet for a while, and he finally looked up and he said, what do you think of me? And that just is the core of it. Like, they want to be loved and accepted even in this challenge. Let's see all of them, the whole person. Yeah, it's so, that's so touching. Because you do, you define yourself with the problem. And as mm -hmm. other people, their relationships and their focus about you and around you, 
are all defined by that too. It just reinforces that lie inside you that this defines what kind of person you are. This defines you. Um, but it's the furthest thing from what defines them. It's absolutely the opposite of who they are. It's the furthest thing away from who they really are mm -hmm. to be stuck in a dark place like that. And mm -hmm. I remember being the mom that just discovered this is a big deal. And I was, had no knowledge or education or experience, but literally thinking, oh, maybe I didn't really know who my son was. You know, like really being duped by the emotion of it all, mm -hmm. feeling like, um, yeah, this makes them maybe not as good as I thought they were. But it's so far from the truth. I love what you shared, Vonette, mm -hmm. how God is creating an army of powerful people mm -hmm. using this um, situation where the adversary thinks, boy, am I doing a good job here. This tool is taking out so many people and really slowing down lots of things, but that God is aware and knew it was coming, and he absolutely knew there's purpose in this. There's a miracle behind this mess, and it's coming. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. Like something you said reminded me of one of these beliefs on this belief plan which is, I think I'll just go ahead and let my children have the learning experience they came for. And just let them, let them, let them get what they came for. Um, and another thing you brought to my mind is that, this is something I learned, is not to feel guilty if I feel peaceful or even happy when my child is suffering. This was a big one for me, actually. I can't believe I didn't even put it in the presentation, but you reminded me. Like, sometimes Heavenly Father would give me peace, and I would set it back down. And I started to learn to think, if he gave it to me, I'm going to hold on to it. I'm not going to put it back down. It's okay for me to feel peaceful. He does, I don't have to suffer along with my kids. And I, I was feeling some guilt about that, like feel, when I felt okay, like maybe being a good mom means like being really in distress. Thank you so much, Fauna. I'm just going to quickly read something that completely goes with something you said, and it's come up two or three times since we've been having our discussion, and it's from Sister Corden's talk. In this last general women's session, it says, nothing can separate you from the love of your heavenly parents, and the Savior. As you draw close to him, even taking the smallest baby steps forward, you will discover the lasting peace that settles into your soul as a faithful disciple of your Savior, Jesus Christ. Just that thought about, even if it's little baby steps, and that nothing can stop God from loving you, no matter what. So I, that should be my goal too, right? Nothing can stop me from loving you if I'm trying to be Christ-like and to show that love in a way that's, that supports Heavenly Father and what he's doing with his purpose. Thank you so much, Vonna. Oh, it's so beautiful today. Appreciate you. Love you, gals. Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our 
website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers Who Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Do They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. The Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSA young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. And... The Clark and Linda Show, a courageous couple that shares their journey of pornography addiction and how that affected their marriage and family. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under MothersYouKnow.lcs or search for Mothers You Know and on Instagram, username at Mothers underscore Who Know. Last, if you would like additional support and training, Please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mom power training class for all moms. You can also go to the Mothers Who Know website at mothersyouknow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services, at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. And by the way, if you do enroll in a program, use our promo code M. WK on the enrollment form to get $25 off a Sons of Helaman intake session. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothersyouknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.